My name is Adan Medrano. I'm reading from the book, Don't Count the Tortillas, The Art of Texas Mexican Cooking. Las tortillas no se cuentan, my mother told me. I was about six years old, crouched at the table, watching Ama make tortillas by hand, enjoying the aroma and rhythm of it all. She was fast. As the pile grew taller, I wondered how many she'd made so fast. I reached over and, practicing the arithmetic I was learning at school, began adding them up. She stopped me. Don't count the tortillas. Over the years, I've remembered her voice, her inflection, that stack of corn tortillas, and I've learned the many meanings of that dicho, the dicho, don't count the tortillas, las tortillas no se cuentan. It's one of many I grew up hearing and repeating. These words have guided me toward an understanding that cooking is more than mere mechanics and feeding. Cooking is about elemental connectedness and generosity. It is technical, creative, with the power to captivate. It is art. The art of cooking is the theme throughout this book about Texas Mexican food, a unique cuisine with a history that archaeologists trace back 10,000 years and also 15,000 years to the culinary traditions of the first Native Americans of Texas and Northeastern Mexico, the Carancawa, Toncawa, Coahuilteca, Chichimeca, Cado, and hundreds of other culturally rich communities. It isn't south of the border cuisine because its historical roots are to be found both north and south of the Rio Grande in places like Corpus Christi, San Antonio, McAllen, as well as in Piedras Negras, Matamores, and Monterrey. The Texas-Mexican culinary region extends as far north as Houston and as far south as Monterrey. Within this region, families like mine cook the same dishes using the same techniques and ingredients, celebrating a cuisine that developed and flourished centuries before the river became the U.S.-Mexico border. The power of culinary art. I've come to understand the art of cooking as the act of preparing food in a technically proficient, tantalizing way that has significant impact upon individuals and relationships within a community. My understanding is influenced by Chicana scholars such as Meredith Abarca, who've demonstrated the importance of a community's collective memory, often not documented in written texts, but present and influential in oral stories and sayings, dichos. The art of Texas Mexican cooking, just like other Mexican American art, comes from having the confidence to, quote, claim knowledge based on your experience and that of your community. That quote is from Antonia Castaneda. I know about cooking because I learned from my ama, as did many cooks who specialize in Mexican cooking. Gender is key in understanding our community and how our cooking has developed. The male cooks whose recipes I include in this book all credit their mom or aunts as a primary influence on how they prepare their dishes. 
The history of Mexican and Native American foodways shows that men were in charge of hunting for food, but women played a role in butchering and were in charge of every aspect of cooking the food. They were also in the lead in food gathering, planting, and harvesting. Consequently, it is jarring to see mostly men as the principal chefs, to hear their voices receiving the most press, the most attention in regard to commercially successful Mexican restaurants of Texas, given that it is the culinary art of women on which they've built their, their success. This book, and especially the recipes herein, honor the central role that women have played in creating Casero, Texas Mexican cuisine. Food as memory. When we picked cotton, la pizca, we wore cotton gloves to protect our hands, but they were nonetheless scarred and bloody from the pricks of the cotton bowl. La pizca was brutal. It was difficult, dirty, and oppressive. I did not like it, but I endured it. And sometimes my sister, my younger sister, Fina, and I even sang as we were picking, and the singing helped. Lunch brought a respite. We'd enjoy tacos, handmade, wonderfully soft flour tortillas with flavorful pinto beans, chile on the side. Sometimes we'd have Mexican rice also on the side and hard boiled eggs. My mouth is actually watering as I recall the taste of my mother's flour tortilla with mashed pinto beans and aromatic rice. Ingredients with direct taste, beautifully seasoned with just enough salt to pump up the volume of the flavors. And it's accompanied with salsa de chile verde, which is fresh serrano chiles mashed to a fine paste and seasoned with salt, just enough to heighten their natural flavor. When food is delicious, it helps us connect to each other and to the planet that we share as our home. Taken together, each and every dish that we've shared has in some way shaped who we are. It's the culture of hospitality that heightens the enjoyment of good food and reinforces the work of a creative cook. I experience hospitality as an atmosphere of generosity, of openness to others, and also to change. A good meal invites us to soften our boundaries and rigidity towards the other. The art of cooking necessitates the cultivation of a generosity that instinctively offers our guest more tortillas to finish the beans or to scoop up his nopalitos with pork lunch. As Ama would have advised, don't count the tortillas. Las tortillas no se cuentan. This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, composer spotlights, and more. Always mas. Thanks for tuning in to Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say on the air. This is Tony Diaz. At the top of the program, you heard the voice of Adan Medrano reading an excerpt from his new book, Don't Count the Tortillas, The Art of Texas Mexican Cooking. We're going to take a deeper dive into his work with an interview during the first half of our program. And it's a delicious way 
to break down ethnic studies. Second half of the show, we're talking to our good friend, Baldemar Rodriguez, who is Community Partnership Manager at the Alley Theater. We're very happy that we've teamed up with them and him to get more arte into our communities before the COVID-19 epidemic. We're going to find out how we can unite post-COVID-19 epidemic to make sure that our community has access to art and cultura. I want to thank our crew for donating their cultural capital to bring this program to you. Leti Lopez, Rodrigo Bravo, who mixes the show remotely, Claudia Solero Alfonso, Jesse Aranda Comer, who is our summer intern through Rice University, Antonio Diaz, who is also our summer intern, Lauri Flores, Stefano Cavasa, and El Castillo, president of Lula Council 60. The Nuestra Palabra radio show is archived at the University of Houston Digital Archives. Our hard copy archives are kept at the Houston Public Library Special Collections Hispanic Archives. I'm happy to join you every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. for Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say here on 90.1 FM KPFT. Also on Tuesdays, I host Latino Politics and News. I also get to see you on the political talk show, What's Your Point? on Fox 26 Houston. Thank you for tuning in. Let's talk art and culture. show, Valdemar Rodriguez. You were born in Mexico, raised in Pasadena. You're a graduate from the University of Houston, so shouts out to all the cougars out there. You got a BA in radio, television, and film, and theater, so I mentioned that so that all of your fellow communication majors can get animados, and you've shot several productions from documentaries to commercials. You were nominated for the prestigious Imagen Awards for Best Director for the feature film In Search of the American Dream, which I remember fondly. And, of course, you've been very much involved in raising the community and making sure that we have art and culture. It's great to talk to you again, my friend. Well, thank you. Thank you. I've got fond memories of the last time we spoke in person because we were celebrating the successful and brilliant run of Quixote Nuevo written by Octavio Solis. You had KJ Sanchez directing it. That directing, was yes. magical. It really was a wonderful time. It feels like a hundred. Yes. I mean, we're talking like it's so far away, <laughs> you know, a long time ago. One of the, the highlights for me being there at the alley, I mean, just the, 
the 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 amount of folks coming out, the marketing, you know, you and your team, um, you know, the community came together to be able to showcase and feature the this wonderful play in our big stage, and you know, the people. There were so many pe- new people that came out to see it. There was an example of of the great efforts that were being done and uh, and implemented by the alley three years ago when they started this new vision to be able to to connect with the Houston diverse Latinx community. So, and this was this was just in January. <laughs> and, and more importantly, I think is that they that that we were able to showcase a, a wonderful, you know, story of the Latino experience with uh, Latino talent and you know all those things put together was just uh, it was it was very evident that that the Alley Theater was 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 moving forward and 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 their vision to to be able to to cater to the to the evolved in Houston diverse community. And then COVID-19 hit. I really thought from that point on, it was going to be smooth sailing, such an important moment. And the entire arts industry is suffering. I really mm-hmm. love what we had started at that time. It's important that we reconvene to, to try and fuel that. Yeah. Well, well you know, uh, as soon as, uh, as as soon as we wrapped with Quixote Nuevo, remember we 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 met and we talked about the future project and how we were going to c- continue the same format, you know, you know, going engaging with the community, you know, being able to go out there and and spread the word and you know um, um, about the, the the different shows and the different educational elements. Obviously, manager of community partnerships uh, for me in, in in education and community partnerships. Um, we are our goal is to be able to get the plays that we're producing and make an educational connection um a lesson and whatnot to be able to to bring it to the schools to be able to to engage with the students with the teachers and and have that cultural uh um you know the artistic and cultural learning that is so important for 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 you to 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 have access to and to be a, to to learn and be a part of, and so when COVID nineteen came, you know uh, all these plans, you know they just like they got suspended because it involved us going into the schools, you know teaching, um, which I'll talk to you. We'll talk in a second about the uh, the first draft of Conservador, but it was literally going engaging with the community, physically going in, into the into their spaces, whether it be schools or whether it be nonprofit uh, organizations and, and, and letting them know, Hey, this is what we're doing at the theater. These are the different departments. And this is how we can uh, educate uh, you, whether being a young adult, older adult or a student about theater arts and, you know, uh, everything that has to do with theater. And now we couldn't do that anymore. It was like, you know, that, you know, visiting and engaging and, and networking, all of that stuff, you know, can happen. So we're like, well, what do we do now? And, uh, and so, so what we're doing now, and let me, let me go ahead and, and, and kind of go back a little bit. The, the department that I work in is, is, uh, it's called the ECE, the Education and, and Community Engagement Department. And about three years ago, uh, two of my bosses, uh, Mary Sutton, who's a director of education, and then, and, and, and Kathy Bensivenga, who, uh, is our executive manager of education and community engagement. Shout both of them, Kathy, um, both fantastic people. Yes, I've loved working with them. Absolutely. They, they were the ones that, that, that started the beginning of this initiative and it's called El Socalo. And and it's uh, uh, El Zocalo, just so that I can tell you exactly uh, what that is. It's a um, 
it's a color initiative is an ongoing placemaking initiative uh, to celebrate, to grow, to interact to interact with Houston's diverse Latinx culture and the artistic community. And so they were able to provide a, a, a vehicle for someone like myself to come into the Alley Theater and then go out into the community and and make that connection and 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 let them know about what we're doing at the theater, what programming we're bringing. You know, just having them, having the Houston community know that this is their theater. And what they did is the, the El Socalo Initiative decided to, uh, under the El Socalo Initiative uh, umbrella, we created um, a program called First Draft, Primer Borrador. And that is a, a storytelling series uh, where we teach the participants, you know, how to tell a story, how to get up on stage and perform it. And without being too academic, we wanted it to be art, and, uh, you know, to, to to be fun and engaging and and be artistic. And so that was one of the things that we were going to, you know, begin back in January, uh, January, February, March. Uh, and then we have COVID, so now we're like, how can we continue this? How can we continue with this momentum, with all the great advancements and uh, that that everybody in our team and and our and at the alley have have started, how can we continue that even under our present uh, situation? And so we were like, well, you know what? We're going to go online and do these these uh, lessons through video uh, in a virtual world and, and be able to continue that. And, and so very quickly, our team and, and the ECE, you know, we pretty much became what, what I'm calling a, a television studio, like overnight. <laughs> Literally, like, what are we... Yeah, and so very quickly, like like uh, um, the the director uh, Mary Sutton, you know, she actually very quickly became an executive, uh, like a video producer, like overnight, and all these folks, people that were not editors, like video editors, became editors, uh, folks that, that were used to writing scripts for uh, for you know the the for curriculums and whatnot, had to pivot and be able to write them so that we can be able to produce them on video and. And, and people that were normally not on camera very quickly had to come on camera so they could teach the classes. And so everybody like literally, um, you know, evolved overnight in making these, uh, these uh, important lessons that we have online and we created Ali at Home helponline.com and so if you go there you're going to see the different areas so we have one obviously for teachers we have someone for uh we have some for the the like i said theater enthusiasts we have family fun we have a section for teens and tweens and obviously we have uh the the section that i am uh that i'm that i'm overseeing which is called nuestro socalo virtual and um, if I could spend a couple of minutes to tell you this, because this is where what I think the beauty of what the alley is doing and and what they've been working so hard uh, to to be able to to engage with the Latinx community, nuestro socalo virtual is an online platform where we are where we're going to be engaging with the community specifically uh, or, or, or with the Spanish speaking these these videos that we're creating this lesson this series. Uh, Primer Borrador, which translates to First Draft, which is a storytelling series, is being conducted in Spanish. So the videos, you can go in there and you could see them um, and listen to them, and they're in Spanish so that we can get and, and get that that that, that uh, engagement um, and community going, uh, communication going with our Spanish-speaking residents. Uh, and that the video, one of the things that the videos have, we do, we took that extra step to be able to incorporate the closed captioning in English. For those that don't speak Spanish but still want to be part of this series, 
they could still go in there and still be able to understand and participate. This series has two different um, components. One, it has a synchronous side and an asynchronous side. The asynchronous side is obviously the videos that we produce and that we release every other week and they live on our our uh, alley uh, at, at home helponline.com site. And then every other week after they see the lesson, then we get together and we do a Zoom lesson with the participants. And then there we get to see each other's faces, ask questions, actually do like a teacher and student, uh, you know, live lesson and activity. And, and that's how we, um, the, the, the series is, 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 uh, created uh, so that we can have that participation. And then obviously the folks at home can see the, the asynchronous videos on their own. And at the very end of the series, we will have an opportunity, the stories that they were able to create during the, the, the entire series, we will be able to have uh, uh, those stories produced professionally on video so that we can actually feature those stories to the community because you know it's it's you know if you tell a story and it just stays with you or within this classroom or you know just the the handful of folks that you that you're sharing that story with well that's still wonderful but the beauty of it is that when we're able to share these stories with the masses in a broadcast format like with our Houston community through Facebook through the media through you know it's like the different uh online uh, uh video platforms uh then that becomes you know, uh, paramount and, and exciting that your that your story, your personal story experience, um, is being shared with a lot of different folks and being seen and heard. And then other folks are going to go, "Oh, I can relate to that. Oh, I can. I remember that. Or I remember exactly the same way that that she was the first in her family to graduate from high school. That's I, I. That was for me too. And you know, then all of a sudden you start getting all these people interacting and and learning from each other. And at the end of the day, you know, our community will be stronger because we know each other's stories and we know our struggles and our successes and, 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 you know, you, you see the beauty in that. That's fantastic. Especially because you're adapting, you're modeling what it means to navigate such a crisis and you're giving people a chance to share their stories. You know, as I'm really proud to be on the Zocalo advisory board and as a Zocalo advisory board member, I'm going to do a couple things right now on the air. So one, I'm going to commit that, we are happy to then take some of those stories in Hispanic Heritage Month and air them so we can commit to doing that. Additionally, I am working with several teachers to create the curriculum for their Mexican history courses that they'll be offering, some of them for the first time in fall. I want to make sure that some of these resources will be automatically included because I don't even have time to break down how important these materials are, especially as you say, where all of a sudden parents have to also become instructors. And sometimes they just don't have the training or they don't know where to get the materials. I think all that is perfect for what you're doing right now. So congratulations on a great project. So can people get something out of it by just visiting online? Is there a way then that they can get more involved over time? What would some recommendations be? Yeah. So right now for, for the folks, um, you know, you could go on our, on our site again, and I'll go ahead and tell it again is, uh, Ali at home, uh, uh, Ali at home com, And, uh, and they could go in there and you'll see the different sections that I mentioned, like, uh, uh, for teens and tweens, for teachers, theater enthusiasts, and they could go in there and, and, and a lot of these videos are standalone. They're activities like how to make hand puppets, you know, how to start writing your first play or a scene or, 
how to do, uh, we have a, a section on TikToks to do like TikTok challenges and, and, and it's very engaging. Uh, those activities are very engaging. So the, the folks can do that at home. They don't necessarily have to find the time to go on a Zoom uh, lesson. They can just do this at their own, at their own time. Now, right now, Primero Borrador, First Draft is the only lesson right now that does have that Zoom uh, online component. And that where you have to, if you have time, you're able to join and get that extra lesson, and 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 you know with uh, the in the participation with the other folks uh, in the in the class. But that's how you get started. Now the evolution of first draft, which is I want to do a you know a, a call to action for those teachers uh, that are that are about to you know start teaching online. Um, that we. Right now, the, the Primer Borrador is, is being uh, offered uh, to folks that primarily are, are young adults to, to older adults. Uh, we do have like one or two students that are around 16, 17 years old that are participating. But the next evolution of First Draft is bringing it to students, uh, let's say in junior high or in high school level. And so if you want to, to, to be able to be part of that when we do that next evolution of a first draft, which is going to happen the next, you know, within these next six months, you know, I'd like for them to reach out to me or to reach out to you, Tony, you can direct them to me. Uh, but my email is online. I could say my email right now as well so that the, the, the listeners can have it. It's Valdemar R at AlliTheater.org. And that's B-A-L-D-E-M-A-R. R at A L L E Y T H E A T R E dot org. So we're spelling teatro like teatro, you know, like theater is teatro. So, um, so they can send me an email, let me know that they're interested in how they can get involved because our goal is to be able to bring this, uh, this residency, this first draft primer borrador residency, not just in English, not just in Spanish, but also in English to the schools so that their students could have. Um, an opportunity to share their stories. And you could see how very quickly this will be very great for, for theater art classes, for English classes, for history classes, uh, to, to be able to, to take part in this lesson, um, in this series, this residence, online residence, um, residency. So, so yes, uh, that's the way that they could get involved, Tony. And, and yes, I, I appreciate if you are able to include our resources. Um, with Ali at homehelponline.com with what you're working on, your resources for the, 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 the teachers, uh, it would be great because we're only going to get bigger and better in terms of, when I say bigger, in, in terms of the content amount of videos that we're going to have, we're aggressively uh, working to, to get more and, uh, and more and more of these, uh, these uh, uh, video lessons online and not just in uh, like the ones that are currently in English, eventually we'll be doing those in Spanish. And, and obviously the ones like right now at Socala who uh, Primer Borrador that's being uh, conducted in Spanish right now will eventually be done in English as well. So, so that is how we're evolving with, uh, with the production of the content, uh, the educational contents uh, within our department. And, uh, and, and that's how the teachers and, and the, 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 the listeners could, could participate and, and, and be a part of this. And like I said, teachers are everyone. Even if you are listening and you're a big brother to a younger uh, sibling, you could be that teacher. You could partake and, and be part of this so that you, could, you and your, your, your younger brother or sister uh, could, could benefit from these creative artistic lessons. Uh, so, so yes, uh, Tony, uh, this is, 
you know, all the community, we're getting together, we're part of this art recovery. And, and I think that, that anybody who has some kind of inclination, artistic inclination to, to reach out to us and to, to engage with us because uh, it, it's just so important that we have this arts and culture within, you know, in our lives. I love it. I look forward to that. And in closing, I do want to give a shout out to all our new familia over at the Alley Theater because I really felt that yes. that unity when working together. So you got the leadership of Rob Melrose, Dean Gladden. Of course, you mentioned Mary. Uh, you yes. know, we should mention uh, Rachel and Kathy. Uh, they really yes. are visionary, but I really love their commitment to the community, and they're doing a lot of great stuff. Yes, yes, and you know what? Uh, to me, you know, the fact that I'm here doing what I love, it doesn't even seem like work because it's something that I'm so passionate about, and the fact that, that I am part of already an existing team. Uh, with uh, uh, the education and community engagement department, uh, it's just uh, the, the, it just makes my life and 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 to be able to work and and do what I'm passionate about makes so much wonderful. And the, our director, as you've mentioned, uh, uh, Mary Stein, she's our our director of education and community engagement. And I also put executive video producer on her title. <laughs> then we have we have Kathy Vincivenga, who she's just, her her title is executive manager of education and community engagement, and she pretty much is in our industry in field production we have the producer which is the money person so it's, she really helps us to to let us know this is what we have this is what we're getting so that we can be able to to work within a certain budget and how can we maximize the quality and the you know all the wonderful things that we're doing in video how can we do that and so she guides us in that area then our, our assistant director of education cheney uh tulos he is a stage manager and he is uh, not only on stage, but he's also a set manager. You know, he has, when we produce things at the alley, he's in there doing every single thing, wearing every hat from, you know, a boom, uh, uh, a boom holder, a mic boom holder to, you know, being a gaffer, moving the lights and, you know, just uh, in the planning. I mean, uh, script supervisor, I mean, just an editor, video editor. You know, a lot of people get, they're so fearful. They don't understand what editing uh, video is. And, 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 and these folks just came on and they, 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 they took the bulls by the horn or literally their laptop and their editing software by the horn. And they are actually there. What you see at the final end uh, in the, as far as videos, it was their editing. And so commend, um, commend them. Bradley Dean White, who is our resident master teaching artist, he does a lot of, he's a sound engineer sound creator, music composer. He's also an editor and he does some amazing things uh, with sound and, and graphics. So you got to check out uh, those those videos that he's produced. Esme Wu, who's a school programs manager um, of education and community engagement. Um, she does the script. She's on, in terms of uh, uh, the curriculum. She oversees the curriculum, makes sure that we're we're targeting what we're uh, you know the, the 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 outcome in terms of what we need to teach. So aside from those scripts that she writes for the, the curriculum, she's writing the video scripts, and then she's on set, you know, uh, following the the script and being a script uh, a script supervisor is what we call them in, in film and, and television. Uh, and uh, and and then we have Jasmine Thomas who does the staging STEM and arts integration network uh, she's the manager of that and she has also come in front of the cameras to teach the actual classes that she's actually producing and then elena uh, uh valladolid rivera she works in sales and marketing uh and and she's the one that helps us get the word out and kind of 
puts everything, helps us structure it. So we do the post to let everybody know what we're doing. Now, all these folks have pivoted from their their um, original titles and duties into this wonderful and crazy world of video production. And to me, just the fact that that this team has embraced you know, uh, video production and embraced, embraced me as uh, someone that comes not just from theater, but video and film and together working on creating these magical packages and modules and video content is, is so amazing. So my hat's off to all of them and, uh, you know, just keep an eye out on, on our website, um, and, and, and keep seeing all these creative things that, that we're doing. They, as a team at ECE, we're we're going to be you know we're 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 moving forward. We're creating new things. We're going to start introducing some drone shots. We're going to start introducing 360 virtual reality in the near future. Just so many great things, so that we can be able to assimilate to the situation that we find ourselves in at the moment, and probably for the next you know year or so. I also insisted that you let me give the shout out to our dear friend Ruthie Rodriguez, who has been at the Alley Theater for many years and has been a big friend of Nuestra yes. Palabra and takes us on some cool photo shoots while we're there. <laughs> Watch. Oh, my God. That amazing chair. The chair, right? The chair. <laughs> Ruthie, we, we love you. you. can go to our ah. Facebook page. <laughs> Yes, yes. No, you know, there's just so many, so many wonderful people there. You know, the, the other departments that, you know, when you go in there in the theater and when you go online and you have these meetings and you are able to see these, our friends that we haven't seen for some time, you know, you, you really, really, Tony, I can't express how warm it feels um, to be able to communicate and engage and collaborate with the different departments, you know, marketing and production and, you know, and sales and development, which is the wonderful folks that go out there and, 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 and help, you know, get the grants and the donations and, uh, and, and, and the, the money folks that, that keep our organization going, you know, in, in the department of new development, you know, the artistic meetings that we're having to be able to figure out what shows we're doing in the future. All these folks come together, all these whole folks come together and, um, and make things happen. And you know what? You mentioned Ruthie Rodriguez, who's just so amazing. She's been there for so long. She's been in the forefront because the first person, when you go to the theater, that you encounter is who? The box office, <laughs> wonderful folks. And, and yes, uh, a shout out to her. Uh, I send her my love wherever she's at right now. Uh, you know, she's been so instrumental in connecting with the, com the, the community. She's always, you know, let us know in the Hispanic community, even before I got there, she was, you know, inviting us to come and see certain shows and whatnot when there were extra tickets or where there was, you know, just a, a, a way for her to communicate and, and engage with us. So, so yes, uh, uh, wherever she's at right now, you know, because right now nobody's in the physical theater. I sent her a big old hug and, 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 and and, 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 and love love her dearly and and yes Tony all together we're gonna make a difference we're gonna make it and you Tony you don't you don't give yourself um, enough praise I have to praise you your your participation your you know your activism your artistic you know passion to to move us forward and, and not just in the artistic world because uh, uh, you're a literary artist obviously uh, with all the great things that you've done but you you know you're out there always moving our our diverse uh, Houston community forward. So it's, uh, it's amazing that we have these allies, that we have these people in our community because together we're making a difference. 
And no matter the challenges that we find ourselves in, like the like like COVID, you know, we, we just say, okay, we're here. How can we pivot around it and make it work? And we're out there and we're doing kudos to you and your show. Kudos to you and your team that they make this happen because without you, if we do things, a lot of people won't know about it because we need people like you that help us spread the word and put this in people's minds, put, bring these conversations to their homes, to their iPhones, to their laptops, wherever they're at. And so I thank you and I congratulate you. And hermano, whatever you need, you know that we have a partnership with the Alley and you, whatever you need, you know, I'm here for you. And uh, uh, also on a personal side with our with our Adelante production side, you know that you have those resources that you at your disposal for whatever you need. We are, all of us together are, are unified and, and we're here to move forward together. Gracias, hermanos. Estamos unidos. It's really been a pleasure to chat and catch up with our dear friend, Valdemar Rodriguez, Community Partnership Manager of the Alley Theater. Gracias. Gracias a ti, hermano. joined with a dear friend of the show, myself, and La Causa, Adam Medrano. ¿Cómo estás, hombre? Hello, Tony. Nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. We had you share some of your book at the beginning of the show. And I want to remind our listeners that you are an award-winning filmmaker. You have a Master of Arts degree in radio, television, and film from the University of Texas at Austin. In 1976, you founded the San Antonio Cine Festival, the first and now longest-running Latinx film festival in the USA. And you continue to produce media with a documentary feature film currently in post-production titled Texas Mexican Food Stories. I will tell folks a little bit more, but we're going to have you back on when you're finished with the film, right? Okay, yes. Excellent. Excellent. And I'm hoping too que lo podemos estrenar, be it social media or, or in person. And of course, you're a food writer, chef. You specialize in the indigenous foods of Texas and the Americas. I love that sentence. Your book, (laughs) (laughs) Truly Texas Mexican, A Native Culinary Heritage and Recipes, published by Texas Tech University, received a finalist for Book of the Year Award from Forward Reviews. And the most recent history and cookbook, which you shared at the top of the show, Don't Count the Tortillas, (laughs) The Act of Texas Mexican Cooking, brilliant title, where you address and focus on the aesthetic aspects of cooking, that universal impact of identity and community on the comidita, but at the same time, 100 recipes that illustrate today's cooking in Texas kitchens. 
Congratulations on your latest book. And mainstream media has gone crazy over your book. I've seen reviews in all sorts of wonderful platforms. Did you, you expect your book to have that sort of impact? I was surprised at what a strong impact it had. When I was writing Don't Count the Tortillas, I had an idea that it should be something that comes from the heart. Anytime that either your mother or your aunt, your grandmother, or if you go to a party, the cooks prepare this food, I almost always hear, lo preparamos con amor. We cook this with love. And it's this atmosphere of hospitality that goes with the food. So I wanted to start from there, from someplace that was uh, deeply felt. And that's why I chose this uh, dicho. And I thought, why not start with that? Because my mother used to say, las tortillas no se cuentan. So it was a surprise that I geared my book towards representing uh, la gente pobre, the poor people's cuisine of South Texas, Central Texas, and Northeastern Mexico. I wanted to be true to that voice a voice of a community from which I come. I'm just one voice. There are many other voices, of course. And so it was, I think, that it, the readiness of larger society to be ready to hear the social justice implications of our food situation in the U.S. So when the book was released in uh, June, it shot to number one on the Amazon uh, uh, bestsellers, new releases, cookbooks of the Southwest. And boy, I was very, I was very surprised. It was number one as soon as it was released. And uh, that was really great. So I think the time has come where people are hearing the truth that we have been saying for so long. The reason that they're ready to hear that arroz con pollo, uh, chilaquiles, fideo, uh, fideo loco, and these dishes that are, that are uniquely ours is that we have come from decades of many fighters for social justice, uh, fighting for the right to vote, fighting for unions, and fighting for the rights to enter the centers of publication. You know, for so long, there weren't many uh, uh, Mexican-American writers, and now we are more. But it's because over the, the last decades, we have been fighting to gain acceptance and it's not something that has been given to us. We have, we have really earned that. And I think that's one of the reasons this openness that we have fought for and uh, achieved is why the book did so well. It, I was very glad when I saw that on the screen, number one, Amazon bestseller list, I said, Oh my goodness. I wish my mom were here. She would start laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Las tortillas no se cuentan. It's very true. So, yeah, it was th – th thanks for mentioning that. It was really great to see that the book has achieved such acceptance, wide acceptance. But let's pause there because I really want people to appreciate all the implications of that. And, in fact, we could do a whole series of shows just on this part because let's break it down. You mentioned you wrote this book with a lot of corazón, mucho amor, in the past, and it wasn't too long ago, when mainstream writers wanted to demean writing by Chicanos, Latinx folks, uh, community writers, they, they would say it was writing with heart, disparaging that it may have any aesthetic value or that it had any quality writing. And that was one code word used to keep our writers out of serious uh, considerations and in fact i would also argue that that also 
is the same sort of dismissiveness towards any intellectual aspect of our community, of our art, of our culture in the past. In the past, still, still a lot of barriers to break through. But I want to point out, you did several things. One, you came in with a dicho, which, if you're in a literature course, they're going to argue it might be a cliche, right? Secondly, a lot of times when someone from our community is dealing with mainstream, they'll go to a dicho that either is so mainstream that it's not quite profound. You picked a beautiful one <laughs> that's very authentic. Well, it's not already out there on T-shirts. The other thing I want to add and bring it back to what I think is your contribution to the intellectual body of our work, you talk about precision. You talk about technique. You talk about mastery. Yes. I think that goes with it. Let, let's talk about how hard you worked on that aspect, on the writing side as well as on the cooking side. I'm so glad you brought that up. And uh, When we did the book launch, it was in San Antonio at the Esperanza Peace and Justice Center. And it was uh, just uh, before, I had, before I was preparing to go to Moscow, I was invited by the ambassador to Moscow, the U.S. ambassador to Moscow, to travel to Moscow and to cook our food and serve it to the um, <laughs> so invited funny. guests at, 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 his, as it is, at his residence. July 4th uh, event is the biggest social event of Moscow. There are 1,700 people who attend, and it's a, it's a very envied invitation. And uh, I was invited because, as the ambassador wrote in his letter, they wanted authenticity. They wanted truth because the relationship between Russia and the United States is not at a very good point, has not been at a very good point, and they wanted to serve something that was true to what it means to be an American. And uh, he invited the food of the, Mex the poor Mexican, the Mexican-American community of Texas to be cooked because that shows what the true culture of grassroots Americana mm. is. And, and we cooked tacos de um, puerco en chile colorado and tacos de carne guisada with two salsas. And I chose these because to the point that you're making about technique, if you're an outsider and you look at a flour tortilla on uh, served with carne guisada, to you, if you're an outsider, the tortilla is just a wrap. It's simple. Oh, there's nothing to it. And the carne guisada is also is just a beef stew. That's because you don't understand it. And you believe that because people are poor, their poverty, you know, has has been something that was planned. We're not uh, we're not poor starting today. These are the vestiges of colonization that we have endured and over which we have prevailed. But nonetheless, with it within that situation, you take the flour tortilla and you make sure that the texture is correct, that balloon, it balloons up when you taste it so that it's somewhat flaky in some parts. And when you cook the carne guisada, you make sure that the spices, the three spices that are, that are uh, genuine to us in the Mexican-American community of, of South Texas and Northeastern Mexico are three. And I call them the trilogy, the Texas-Mexican trilogy of spices, ajo, comino, pimienta garlic, 
cumin and black pepper. The combination of these three, usually uh, crushed in a molcajete, a, a volcanic rock mortar and pestle, are the essential ingredient that is significant and unique to the Mexican-American culinary uh, cooks. And uh, when you taste the combination of this, if it's just perfect, then it's it's unique. No one else can cook can cook this way. Of course, we add other uh, vegetables to it. It's not the trilogy. Sorry, I, I'm, I call it the trinity, the trinity of spices. And what this does is it shows that poor people who have been dispossessed of capital, of education, have been excluded from the political uh, activities, have a way of being creative and making a cuisine that's beautiful. Much of what we have created from the context of poverty has begun now to be recognized as delicious. You take barbacoa, you know, the cow's head, that, <laughs> yes. th 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 those, or, or you take fajitas, you know, these things. These were the types of uh, beef cuts that would be thrown away, discarded. And yet we made something very beautiful because of the technique that we used. I always say the Mexican-American people, uh, we develop taste through technique as much as we do through ingredients. So that that's really part of what you were saying in regards to the to the technique and to the care that we take. The other, there are many examples that tortillas, oh, by the way, <laughs> that tortillas, they wanted to use, when we had our first planning meeting, when I we went to Moscow, and I suggested we do these tacos as a fine dining uh, a, a treat, they said, oh, that's okay. If they're flour tortillas, we can buy the flour tortillas here in Moscow. The Russians <laughs> make them. <laughs> so, I nearly fell off of my chair. I said, oh, my gosh. I, I, I said, well, I, I'd like to taste them, uh, see what they are. But there's, they have the impression that a tortilla is just a wrap. It's just something that you uh, have to hold a really important thing like the meat. But no, the tortilla is the thing itself. And if you understand it, you, you know what a bad tortilla is and what a really good tortilla is. So, uh, of course, we needed uh, 2,400 tortillas. And uh, we were, there's no way we could make that many in that day that I was there. So we had to ship the tortillas. I found some really good uh, flour tortillas that are, that are the kind that we are normally used to in uh, South Texas, Central Texas. And we wanted to ship them. And the pro problem was that they were going to be uh, maybe uh, on a boat. And if they were to take three, four weeks, they could uh, rot. So uh, we couldn't ship them. It was too too difficult. And they suggested maybe I could take them as baggage. You know, I can put them, have extra <laughs> suitcases. And they, yes. And, and, and we'll, we'll pay for the baggage, the embassy people said. And then they checked with their customs agents and they said, you know, if it's a bad day and push comes to shove and the news is bad, the customs agent may simply take them away from Adan <laughs> and we won't have anything. So what we had to re resort to is to use the diplomatic pouch. So we, they told me, pack them in the eight boxes, ship them by U.S. mail to the embassy grounds uh, at this email address at in Washington, D.C. 
And when they arrived, they called me, they arrived. They had a military transport, airlift the tortillas and deliver them to the embassy grounds in Moscow. So we didn't have to go through customs. We didn't have to do any of that. So uh, I, I like to say that we are, can be very proud that our Texas Mexican flour tortillas have diplomatic immunity. <laughs> it sounds like a spy film. <laughs> Doesn't it? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, it was great, though. We had a great time there. And it was great that, that we, we could represent the United States at such an important event. Our food represented America, the United States, at this important uh, diplomatic event. And I want to delight and revel in that because it is it's a, it is poetic justice that, that nuestra comida yes, were to avert an international crisis. <laughs> Normally, you think. Uh, I mean, you would have thought that we were shipping drugs or arms or <laughs> these are tortillas. <laughs> well, you, you know what you know what is fascinating though too is that. Um, you you are now a Mexican American Studies scholar. You, obviously, you were before, but now we've got to add that to your resume <laughs> because Uh-oh. as you go through this trajectory, you are actually piercing in a lot of the layers that we talked about. And I think what's also exciting too is that you're you're pretty radical. Um, <laughs> all well. this is very radical. And also, I want to remind folks we are taping remotely. I, I can hear the phone in the background, but. Hey, that's fine because because we are adapting as we must, and we're talking. Unfortunately, not in the same room, but by by cell phone, and we got to deal with the surroundings as we as we walk with it. But that's our culture too. We <laughs> we yes. go through the hoops, survive, and, and and thrive. But your book is very radical. Your book is <laughs> well. I'm. Uh... I'm surprised at the word, but but uh, it is true. I mean, the I would say that the the radicalness of the book is that it rooted las raíces, and the book is simply researching, going to the historical, the archaeological record, and and saying what is there. Uh, one of the problems that we've always faced is that they call us. Uh, Pochos, they call us uh, neither from here nor from there. They think that all Mexican-Americans come from across the border, wetbacks and so forth and so forth. All of these things are false. Uh, Our history is rooted deeply in the Native Americans of Texas. The first peoples to step on Texas soil are our ancestors. Some of the names are, as I was mentioning in the reading, are Karankawa, Tonka, Lipan, Lipan Apaches. And over time, because of the dispossession of our lands and uh, the uh, policies that were intended to get rid of us, we became married into other tribes with other people. And we also became missionized in the missions. And the identity as Native Americans, as Indios, uh, uh, gradually receded by design, although I did my genealogical research and in all of my uh, records, the church records going back to the 1700s, I can still see and I have some in my on my file. My great, 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 great grandfather is noted in the in the marriage record as Indio and married to my 
grandmother, and she is noted as Espanol. And so the Native American was there, but it was receded into the background because the people who were in power didn't want us to exist. To close us up by telling us what your next projects are. We know you're finishing the film. Well, the the next thing actually is on the, uh, is, is the film. And uh, the, uh, the thread that goes through the two books in the film is a message to uh, whoever may be listening to us right now on the radio. If you are a Mexican-American, write. If you have a recipe, write it down. Uh, if you are from another culture, let's say you're a Puerto Rican, you're listening to this. Write about your Puerto Rican food. We need voices that come from the experience of that people, of your experience, because if it's a dispossessed experience, nobody can speak about that experience like you. Because when you speak about it, it doesn't become, oh, mira, pobrecitos los pobres. Oh, look at them, lament them, they're poor people. No, no it becomes how do we survive and make beauty out of dispossession? So uh, that's what I would say. There are three things that we need. We need our voice. We need to be recognize that we have agency, we have power to make things, to be creative. And uh, I would I would say that uh, in my next project, which is a film, that's what we're trying to do. It's a 75-minute feature documentary that will be released uh, on streaming services like Hulu and Netflix. And throughout the piece, we talk to grassroots cooks, artists, activists about their food. And the title, the subtitle is what you eat tells who you are. Mm. So they, they eat and explain their identity by, by their food, which is a culturally very strong. So thank you for asking me about that. And uh, I look forward to uh, staying in touch. Cannot wait. We've been talking to Adam Adrano, celebrating his latest book, Don Canta Tortillas, The Art of Texas Mexican Cooking. Gracias, Adam. Thank you. Gracias.